on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We recap OU's loss to Kansas State, and we recap some of the other big games in week four of college football, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 26th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star view and a nice comment. Also, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. One more time. If you want to sponsor email, the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. Teddy, I feel like I have to put this disclaimer out every time we do one of these after Oklahoma loses a game. If, if you are looking for us to belittle the players and the coaches and come on here and say that a bunch of people need to be fired. A bunch of people, you know, need to not be playing. Like this is not the podcast for that. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to call it how we see it. We're going to be critical and fair. All right. Now that the disclaimer is out of the way, (laughs) I say that and you're about to have to talk about the defense's performance. So maybe, Are you all right, man? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I'll, I'll do what I can to remain. I, I am positive. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't need to, I don't need to fake it. I I'm, I'm positive. I still feel, still feel good about this group. I still like what they, what they've done, what they've accomplished up to this point. Um, you know, listening to Venables at, talking to you and plank at the after the game i felt the same way um whenever he said that he was kind of at a loss for words i that's kind of how i feel right now that that's not the same team that we've seen through the first three games i don't know i don't know where that came from i don't know if i should be 
like if I should anticipate to see more of that or if that is just a one game, one off horrible I sometimes it goes bad and it went bad. But yeah, I, I guess I just I don't know I don't know where I am moving forward on it. I, I guess I'm hopeful that this is just a one off performance. I I I hope you're right, but I guess we'll just dive into it like we always do, right? Kind of yeah. position by position, uh, defensive line. Yeah, I'll say it. I got pushed around, man. Yeah. I I did not, with, with what I had seen from Kansas State's offensive line up to this point, I did not expect, and there were, there were a couple splash plays in there. I thought Isaiah Coe had a couple nice plays. Uh, Jalen Redmond had a couple nice plays, but this is a team this is a defense that was leading the country in tackles for loss and what they have four and no sacks. Yep. They got pushed around. I mean, that's just they, the high pads didn't anchor on things, you know, didn't stand their gaps. Like it was, I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, and that being said, the defensive line was probably the best part of what went on defensively. Um, you know, a couple of guys did show up, but you know, the defensive line and I'm looping everyone together on that defensive ends and interior guys, uh, all kinds of mistakes. And I can, I can go piece by piece through them, but you know, I'll just give a couple of, of examples, you know, and I kept saying it on the broadcast level rush, what a level rush is is whenever, especially when you have an athletic quarterback like Adrian Martinez and you're a defensive end, and it can even be an interior guy, a three technique. Redmond had one. You're trying to get to the quarterback. And whenever you're running the hoop around the outside, if you can't make it and you can feel that the quarterback is about to step up, you have to stop, spin out, and retrace your steps and come back. You can't just run around because as you like, there's a rusher here and you're running the hoop. And a lot of times he's getting doubled. If you run the hoop and he gets doubled, there's a massive gap right here for the quarterback to escape through. Right. And that happened over and over and over. Um, You know, we had times where we've got games called up front and, you know, in, in some games they're, there's some things that are contingent on what happens in the play. Uh, you'll have like a heavy, like a, what's called a pirate where you have two guys come inside on a pass after a count, the nose will loop around for contain. Right. And you know, you'll have some games where you'll have a looper for contain whenever it's a pass. We got guys on a stunt that are looping for contain when there's a run coming right at them and they're looping themselves out of the play. Um, we got D linemen that are droppers at times that forget their dropper halfway through the play. Um, we, we were soft on the edges against the gap scheme stuff against pullers getting hit in the mouth. Uh, And these are things, the frustrating part is these are things that we have not done up to this point. Yes. 
Kansas State is the best team that we've played up to this point by far, which, you know, how that team lost to Tulane, I just – college football, I don't even know. I don't even know how to uh, put that into, into words. But, you know, it, it's just um, – it's, it, it's frustrating to see such a regression from how good that they had been previously. We hadn't seen stuff like that. Um, I don't know. And, and like I said, that was the best part of it was the D-line. It got worse as you moved backwards. Let's let's move to the inside backers. And it felt, you know, just going back and washing it, it felt like Stutzman and Aguebu. They they just weren't seeing it well, man. No. And Kansas State makes it really tough. They make it really tough on pretty much every play. There's a puller coming across the football, which changes your gap. There's a a tight end or an H-back coming across the ball that changes your gap. There's a lot happening. And, you know, we had a lot of, of, of runs that were misfit. And a lot of times whenever we did fit it right, we weren't coming with anything behind us. Uh, we, you know, we had some one-on-one opportunities at tackles and and didn't come up with them. We had some some coverage responsibilities where we weren't in the right spot and didn't do a very good job. Um, not not didn't do a very good job. Uh, busted and gave up big plays. Um, yeah, it, inside backer was it wasn't good. And those two guys have have you know been improving throughout the season, through the first three games, I thought they were getting better week by week. Um, and, you know, three steps forward, one step back. Uh, you got to go back to the back to the drawing board there on on how you're preparing and how you're getting ready. Cause, and, and you know this, Gabe, once it's on film, everyone's going to start attacking those weaknesses that you've, you've now shown and Kansas State exposed. So, all the stuff that you messed up on, you're going to start to see a bunch of it. Um, I just, I, I think, I think they just got, I, I don't know. It, it started, it started really bad from the beginning and it did get better, but it didn't get good enough. And we closed it out with some mistakes late that, that ultimately cost us, you know, the backers were a big part of what cost us in, you know, the last couple of minutes, whenever we still had a, a chance to win the football game. It it seemed like the first time where we really saw because you know BV puts a ton on those backers, right? Obviously, you know that, Ted, but it felt like the first time where you know clearly they're actually playing a good team and they was executing at a high level, and they just it didn't look like they were processing everything quick enough. But yeah. right? it they looked like two inside backers that have a lot on their plate that are in a new defense and aren't 100% like they're not, they're not reacting, right? They're, they're not playing free. There was a lot of, a lot of thought going on. on on It's just deer and headlight. Look, yeah, no, that's that's what it looked like to me. No, I, I totally agree. And, you know, after the first couple of series, which were just, 
you know, nothing was going right at all. And I think at that point, because you're going to the sideline and it's just like, here's what they ran. Where are you? Like, like what you lose all confidence in, in where you think you're supposed to go. And like, if there's a play and you're lining up and you're thinking about it, it's like, I, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. And then you just, it devolves from that point on. Um, I still like our guys at inside backer. I, I still think that we've got obviously tons of room to grow and the ability to do so. I, I don't think we are, I don't think we're stuck with where we are right now. And just a reminder, Stutzman is a true sophomore. This was his fourth start of his career. That's not that much ball. And he's had to learn two defenses. This is the first team that we've played that does, you know, this, this style of offense. So it's preparing for a new style of offense. There was a lot there. Um, you know, I, I still think Stutzman's going to be a hell of a football player. Um, it was a rough game and I think he'll bounce back. I do. And the same with Aguebu. I think Aguebu, uh, same thing. Got, I, I, I think the, the mistakes early, just snowballed on them whenever they started to really lose confidence in, in, you know, what, where they had thought they were supposed to be. And it just turns into you're, you're so tentative because you don't know where you're going and you thought you did and it's in the wrong spot. And I don't know. I'm, I, 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 I still think those are going to be our guys moving forward. You know, I, just one thing that we may see is Deshaun White move into an inside backer spot. And whether that's Canick or whether that's Harrington, someone else playing the cheetah, I don't know. That's just like if it was, if it's bad enough to where the coaches are like, we've got to do something here, that may be an option that you would see. But and my gut tells me those are going to be their guys are going to continue to ride with them. Yeah. No, it just, and man, it, one of the things that was surprising and it happened to Aguebu and Stutzman, just Martinez running away from those guys. Yeah. I mean, maybe he ran, it says he more, ran away from Jaden Davis. He ran away from, <laughs> he ran away from everyone. I mean, he, uh, he can go now, but I mean, you think about Stutzman and Guaybu, those are two big dudes that can absolutely run. Yep. And it just, there are a couple of moments where you're just like, damn. Okay. Adrian Martinez, which to the, to a bigger point, And we talked about this during the broadcast, but our angles on tackling all night as an entire defense, we had been so good up to this point at, using leverage, using your help, knowing exactly where at all costs to be on a guy, on a ball carrier, to where you don't cut off the rest of your team. And it was like every missed tackle, not only was it a missed tackle, but you missed him in the worst place to miss him, and you cut off the rest of your team, and it turns into even a more explosive play. Yeah, it's the tackling just wasn't there the corners like physicality from the corners coming in and the run fits just wasn't there 
we got we got whipped by the wide receivers uh, at times whenever they were blocking on the perimeter. You know, it's just I don't know. I like I said, an anomaly. I hope. I I don't know where that came from. We hadn't seen it. Like there's been like the first drive in Nebraska, lost, came over the sideline, got some things fixed, got quite a bit better on the next drive, and then continue to lock it down and get more and more you know, acclimated with what they were trying to do offensively throughout the game. It felt like it took us forever to actually figure out what Kansas State was trying to do and start to make our adjustments. And I'm not talking as a staff. I'm talking as a player getting up to speed with what they're throwing at you. And it should happen really quickly. And felt like we never got there. Yeah. Any... Any other thoughts on the guys in the back end of the defense, what you saw? I thought Bowman, you know, I, I, I thought, again, he was, he, was, he was probably as good as anyone out there uh, or better than anyone out there. He's in the right place. He didn't have his best game. I mean, no one did. You can't say that about anyone defensively. But, um, you know, I thought Key Lawrence made a couple of really nice plays. You know, the passing stuff, like, there was a couple of one-on-one balls that they won. You know, we gave the free free releaser on the to, – the, to a tight end on four verticals against cover three, which for anyone that ever wants to play linebacker or defense, whenever you play cover three, the first thing that pops into your mind is four verticals. Four verticals is the most dangerous thing against cover three. If you're a hook player, you have to give help to the vertical. If you are a flat player and you do not have a three release to the flat, you have to carry the seam. Like that is day one cover three stuff, and we didn't get it. Let him run free, in fact. Yeah. I I did not expect Senate to be an impact player in that game. But he was wide open in the middle of the field several times. Yep. Yep. That's Anything else defensively that you would like to say, sir? The last play, the third and 16, was, a, was the icing on the cake. Number one, did not think it was a very good call defensively. In fact, I, it's as a player, it would be something that I would never call in that situation. We were in man-to-man against a quarterback up to that point that had over 100 yards rushing on us. And we had a spy on, and I think maybe it was both backers were supposed to spy, and they both got locked onto tackles, the offensive tackles. And next thing you know, the game is over. We're in the best position we could be. It's third and 16. We've got plenty of time with our offense to drive down the field, score a touchdown. And we let them out the gate on a third and 16. That, that, was, the, that was the icing on the cake of the, one of the most frustrating games defensively I've seen Oklahoma play in a long time. So just to recap, poor tackling, 
Yes. Bad run fits. Yes. Coverage busts. Yes. Other team was more physical at the point of attack and on the perimeter. Yeah. And maybe some bad play calls that in key points. Yeah. And um, just mental mistakes left and right. D line backers, secondary. Um, sometimes they were outright bust, like guys are playing the wrong call. And other times it was just a, a mental mistake on how you're supposed to play something within that given call. And it was, and it felt like it was almost every single play, but I remain optimistic that this defense is going to bounce back, that this game was an anomaly. I don't know. I don't know how we ended up playing that poorly, but with everything that, that Venables has said about this group since he got there, about the work ethic, about the the hunger for more and and you know, just the attitude of the overall team and defense, I believe that they're gonna respond. I do. Just one last thing about you know, K-State offense, Oklahoma defense. Got to give credit to Adrian Martinez. Yeah. He he looked like a different human being compared to the guy we watched against Tulane. And we watched yeah. every snap of it. He, he couldn't hit anyone. Whatever they told him during the week of practice. And I talked to Kleiman after the game, right? Because we have him on our Big 12 show quite often. I said, what was that? And he said, that is what we were hoping he could be when we brought him in. Yeah. And I said, coach, it's really unfortunate that he did it against my alma mater, <laughs> but what a, per and it was, it was a great performance. Now the defense did a lot to make him great in that game, but for him to go from the way he played against Tulane to the way he played on the road against Oklahoma. It's impressive, man. I, I mean, I, I know everyone just wants to pile on the defense right now, but give that guy some credit. That was, that was pretty damn impressive. If he plays like that and I know I'm not dumb, he won't play like that the rest of the season. But if he did play like that the rest of the season, Kansas State's going to be very, very difficult to beat for anyone in this conference. No doubt. And Deuce Vaughn's still very hard to tackle. Yep. Very, very hard to tackle. Oh, and we didn't even bring it up. The kick return. I mean, all the momentum in the world, you even at 14-14, and Malik Knowles, and it was a good kick, too. Nice yep. directional kick. And Malik Knowles brings it back past the 50. Well, we got no one home. There is no one in the middle of the field. Everyone on the wrong side. Not good. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about some offense? Yeah. Yeah, let's. There's some good. There, there's some, <laughs> There's more good on the offensive side, but there is. There's some bad. Let's start with, let's start with probably the worst thing, the penalties, right? Yeah. Just put them in bad down and distance situations, killed the momentum 
of drives and didn't just straight up killed some drives. Right. And you know, you penalties of passion are one thing, right. Where you're playing hard and you hold a guy or you like those things happen. You're right? diving to tackle a guy and you catch a face mask. That, right. That's like, going to happen. Pen- penalties of passion happen, but non-playing penalties, pre-snap penalties. When you're at home, I don't know how that happens when you're going for it on fourth down in your own stadium and you have multiple guys jump. I just, I don't know how that happens. You've got to be more locked in. You got to be more disciplined and I don't know, man, but that, that has to get corrected and I'm confident it will. Right. I'm confident will because the offense moved the ball, man. They did. They moved the ball, but just too many self-inflicted wounds. Uh, let's start with quarterback position. I thought Dylan Gabriel was solid. Thought he made good decisions with the football, right? You look at the stat line, uh, 26 to 39, four touchdowns, had a couple of nice long runs as well that I thought were really big plays in the game and had some beautiful throws. The deep ball to Mims was a dime. Uh, A couple of those throws to Farouk. The back shoulder was great. Like the last touchdown to Willis was on the rope. Like that was a great throw. Some really good stuff. But I I, I think that, I I think he's getting some of the criticisms, criticism he's getting because he was inaccurate in some of the most important moments in the game. And, you know, third and six at the end of the first quarter, Drake Stoops wins clean on a double move. I mean, clean. He's going to walk in. And I don't know what happened. Like, he didn't get rerouted at all like we thought he might have on the broadcast. He, I mean, he wins clean, Ted. And Dylan Gabriel misses him by... Eight yards, yeah. I and that is, you know, instead of scoring a touchdown, you punt. That that's obviously a big deal in a game when you're playing a good team. And then, you know, he misses Drake Stoops again on the fourth down at the end of the third quarter. Right? They turn it over on downs, and that's an easy pitch and catch. Yep. And maybe he had a little pressure, but that's the throw he's got to make. And so instead of keeping the drive alive and most likely going and scoring points, you get nothing. Missed Mims on the third and nine, right? He was in that cover two hole. He was there. The ball, I mean, he's open. There's 12 minutes to go in the fourth. You probably go and get points there if you connect on that throw. So, and instead, they punt there. So. He was, you know, I, I think he's pretty far down the list of what OU's problems were in the loss. But there were moments where you know, he, he's got to make those throws against good teams. Right? Because the reality is, you look across the Big 12 right now, OU's not head and shoulders more talented than everyone else. They're not. I've watched these teams. They're not. 
So you've got to win with precision and details and discipline and physicality and all this stuff. And that includes the quarterback position. So I thought he was good. I didn't understand, you know, some of the people trying to pin the loss on him after the game. That was odd, but you know, Twitter's not real life, but he, he can be better. And we said the same thing about him in Nebraska, right? Good, but can be better. He's, he's gotta be accurate in those big moments though. And yeah. that's, that's what the great ones do. Yeah, there's no doubt. Got to be uh, – and, and that's – unfortunately, this is what happens. You know, you can have a statistically a really good night, but whenever you lose, we're going to go back and look at the missed opportunities, and and he had he had quite a few of them. He had quite a few of them. Thought he was better getting rid of the ball. Um, you know, did take what that – it took a one sack that maybe he had a chance to get rid of it, but – made a, a bunch of really nice plays the first touchdown to Braden Willis with the bad snap you know to be able to grab that and have a guy bearing down on you and cl- complete that pass was just you know like I don't know you just make a play right there and he did uh so that was fantastic he, and you're right his hand-eye coordination spectacular because Rain's giving him a lot of shitty snaps yeah high and right high and right high and right Guy's got a hell of a right hand. I'll tell you that. We caught four, maybe five, one-handed, right-handed. Wow, Man. that ain't how it's supposed to be. We'll get to that though. Yeah, we know he had his hands full. We saw that on the first series, right? We'll we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but I I thought making a play there was great. Made some awesome runs with his legs, and I, the deep he has one of the better deep balls I've seen in a while. It's money he is on the money with that thing um it's just some it they, these these throws these random throws just come and go where he makes a bunch of high level throws he, you know he threw a a comeback to Theo Weiss from the far hash where the ball travels like 45 yards in the air and hits him right between the one and the zero and then you know you see other throws that are it's a pitch and a catch and it's not even close it's almost like he misgrips the ball or something and doesn't have the, his hand on it good and and just and and doesn't get a I I don't know it's 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 odd but you know in my opinion the offense played good enough to win that football game last night. I agree with that. I, I'll say this about Dylan Gabriel. I think he's been really good up to this point. I, I think he's been about as good as you can ask him to be, but. If the defense, if the defense is going to continue to now, I don't expect them to play as bad as they did against Kansas State again. I, I don't expect that, but they may not be a shutdown group, right? So Dylan Gabriel is going to have to elevate his game that much more, right? The these throws, these situations where they're missing out on points, they need to go get points. Yep. You be because if the defense isn't going to be, you know, a shutdown group, then you, you you have to take advantage of those opportunities. He's capable of making every single one of those throws he missed. And instead of getting points, they punted. Yeah. So it's been really good, but I, I think we we all got brought back to earth a little bit with the defense. Yeah. And and you realize, hey, this offense. 
they're going to have to produce. Like, you can't rely on that defense to hold teams to 10, 14, 17. You got to go score. You got to capitalize on those opportunities. When Drake Stoops is running right down the seam, wide open for a touchdown, you have to put it on. Yeah. That's just where we're at. Yep. Running backs. Thought Eric Gray was good, man. Thought he was good. Uh, ended up with 114 on 16 carries. Uh, caught a couple passes as well. Thought thought he did some really good things. Thought he ran physically, right? Kind of running through some guys, low pad level, low center of gravity. Um, had some situations, right? One-on-one, made guys miss. Uh, popped some big runs as a result of that. Still a couple where, man, he's he's so close to just ripping off some big touchdown runs if he could get you know, get, pull his foot through one of those guys jumping at his ankles. But I thought he did a pretty good job of making some of those free hitters miss. And I thought the guy played his ass off. Yeah. I I thought he played hard and tough and physical. I, I mean, I thought him and Mims probably the, you know, players of the game for him on offense. I, I thought Eric Gray, I thought he played well. Yep, he did. Played really well. Uh, you know, we know whenever he gets in, uh, out there on the edge and it's him and the support player, he, he's, made, he's got a high batting average this year making that guy miss, uh, which is impressive. And, and we're all used to him making that play now. Um, the thing that kind of caught me was that he has started to combine the ability to make a guy miss right there on the edge and put the shoulder down and run over some guys. And there were some big collisions out there, and I thought he played just a super physical game. I don't remember anything in protection that was bad that sticks out. Um, but, yeah, he, I, I, thought he was, I thought he was solid, really solid. He's put, gosh, he's put four really, really good games together. He has. His yeah. first four games have all been really, really solid. Yeah. Marcus Major, um, not as many touches, right? What, 37 yards on nine carries. But I th- thought he did a nice job. Now, I'm hoping he's okay. Got banged up. Looks like an ankle, yeah. right? But we'll, we'll see if that is something that, you know, lingers for him. The one thing he didn't have, he's had a couple of wow plays this season, right? You think of the Kent State run, like those moments. Didn't really have that moment in this game. And that's probably more a credit to Kansas State's defense, who, by the way, is a good group. I mean, they they, they're a good group coming in. Uh, they're, I've got even more respect for them now. But I, I didn't think Major, he, he, didn't have, he didn't have that big impact play. We've kind of grown used to him having. But I, I think that has more to do with Kansas State and, and their – you know, kind of their sound structure of defense and less to do with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe part of it was every time we started to get down into what's kind of been his territory right around that fringe red zone area, about the 25 yard line or so, that's when he's made these really big impacts. Every time we got down there, it's where we, that was shoot yourself in the foot territory for us uh, throughout the game. Correct. Ball start, hold, 
Uh, okay, wide receivers. Marvin Mims is good at football. Uh, I mean, yep. I don't know what else to say. Had the long touchdown. Thought he was really good again. Continues to look super explosive. A few times where he is, I mean, he's running open and, you know, Dylan's reads take him elsewhere. But, man, he there are some that it just looks like, looks like you should be getting the ball to him with the way that he's running by guys or running away from guys on some of these crossers. He's just playing with such speed. But probably a couple where they could have called pass interference. Yep. For him, some competitive situations. Brent's that massive corner from K-State. He's he's a very physical player, and you know, if they're going to let him get away with it, I, I suppose you, you play it that way. thought maybe he could have got a flag or two, but you know, one thing that K-State did a great job of, and it's no surprise, they punted the ball a mile high and didn't allow him to have any returns. Yeah. And the guy – kicked it straight up in the air and they got down there. They covered his fair catching all night. Yep. Yeah. And credit them. They, they won the special teams and, um, yeah, I Mims, I still like your prediction from his first game of his, uh, freshman season. When you say he's going to be a first round pick, I still, still think that's going to hold true. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because that 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 would be impressive. Yeah. I called that a long time ago. We'll see. But he is he's definitely playing at a high level right now. Okay, Jalil Farouk. You know, other than they ran that kind of like boot kind of counter, you know, concept where he came across all the way across the formation and Dylan dumped it to him and he dropped it. Now he probably could have taken a little heat off the ball for him, but other than that, I thought Jalil did some really good things. Nice yep. plays, the back shoulder adjustment. That was a huge play. Uh, that was really good. He continues, plays with good speed, continues to block at a high level. You know, it still waiting, right, on the game where he just explodes. But he he's given them, he's given them a nice level of play, like a consistent level of play. And I is he wide receiver two? I guess I don't know. We said the biggest game he's had, so I I don't know. I feel like both of those guys are what wide receiver one point five. How do you do it? Do you divide it in half? How does that work? Yeah, they're one point five. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I, it feels like it's been slow for him and Dylan Gabriel to get in rhythm. You know, he's been open on a lot of stuff, and for whatever reason, haven't been able to to connect with him as much as, as they want to, but it feels like each game it's getting a little bit better and better and better. And thought he made some, some really nice plays out there. Him and Theo Weiss. I, I, I like our, I like our one, two, three, however, however you want to put those guys in order. I don't care. Uh, I think all three of them so far have been excellent in their own ways. Yep. Theo Weiss. Had the touchdown. Beautiful concept from Levy on, on that play. Just cleared out that entire side of the field. A nice patience from Theo on that route. Just worked. You talk about a play working exactly how you draw it up. I mean, it was picture perfect. And that's something that continues to stand out to me about Theo. Like, his his route running looks sharp. 
And he was down there saying, Hey, I'm open. I'm always open. And kind of went back and watched it. I was like, he's kind of right. He's open a lot, but if a receiver's I, not telling you he's open on every play, you need to move him to the defensive side of the ball or something. He needs to be a, a corner. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Now, I, I do think one area Theo could have been better, like that perimeter blocking stuff. Right there, a couple times he he's getting beat. His man's making the play, or yeah. you know, causing the timing to be poor in the backfield with some of that stuff. Got to be better there, but. You know, when it came to route running, catching the ball, making impact plays, I really thought the wide receiver group as a whole was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. That includes Stoops. And then, you know, tight ends wise, Braden Willis, uh, I'm going to say it every single time. That guy plays his ass off. Yes, he does. A couple of touchdowns in, in this game. Also thought he did a great job of blocking in the run game, the, the football team needs more guys to play with his effort and with his attention to detail when it comes to technique. And, and one, one of the best things about Braden is he was one of the guys we interviewed after the game. Right. And, you know, I kind of, and I did a bad job of asking the question, but basically like, Hey, you know, does the way you're playing individually, like the high level you're playing at, does that help anything at all? Like just trying to cheer him up. And he basically went into, I got to be a better leader. I got to play better. I got to play harder, like all this stuff. So he's, I mean, he's exactly the type of leader you want in that locker room. And he was the guy that spoke to the team first after the game. So that's, he is, uh, right now, it's it's close between him and Mims for me, for who I think is the best player is on the entire football team. Yeah. Yeah, he's he is he is so fun to watch. Uh, the effort, the focus, the aggression. I didn't see what happened uh, on the play, but I know he, he buried someone all the way over into Kansas State sideline, uh, which has become typical from him. You're right. He's he's the guy that you always point to and say, if we had 50 of those guys on our team, we'd we'd never lose. Um, and you could probably get it done with way fewer than 50. Yeah, he's he's the guy that you don't have to worry about week in, week out, right? You know exactly what you're gonna get on every play. Is it yep. perfect? No, it's never perfect for anybody, but you know that the the attention to detail and the fight and the strain and the focus is always there. Yep. All right, time to start this offensive line conversation. Okay. I thought Anton Harrison was good. I did. I, I think he's he's kind of turned the corner as a player. Had a winning grade for me. A um, couple times uh, fell off. You know, his guy fell off and made the play, or him and Matoyer – got split and I'm not exactly sure where they're looking, but overall for Anton, especially with the matchup with Felix and UDK Uzama, like he won that battle, which, which is significant. Like that's, that's important for his football future, but I, I think he is, he's playing at a high level. The, the question now for him is, can he, does he have what it takes inside him? 
to become great. He's really good. Can he take the next step? Can he be a dominant player? Can he be a first-rounder? Because right now, he's, he's really good. He's a day-two pick right now. Can he take it to the next level to where he's playing even harder, he's blocking even longer, he's straining even more? Like, can he take that step? Because the way he's played the last two weeks, like, he should gain confidence. I know they lost, but I, I did think that he, he played a solid game. I feel like you've said that. You've said that on, I think that's four in a row now, right? Maybe game one, you wanted quite a bit more, but he was, he was sound and it's gotten better week by week with him. I feel right. Yeah. The last two weeks, especially Yeah, Lincoln was the best game of his career. And then this one was, I, I thought he was a little better in the Nebraska game, but this one was pretty good. Yeah. But, well, you're, you're, I'm sure personnel on the other side had something to do with it. Yeah. So, uh, McCade Matoyer, not as good as he was in Lincoln, but certainly better than he was in the first two games. Was all right in the run game. I've just kind of accepted that this isn't a guy that's going to, you know, really blow off the ball and, and knock people back. That's just not the type of player he is. His biggest issue against Kansas State, and Dylan Gabriel felt some of this pressure at times, and I think it made him a little uncomfortable. He's he's got to anchor better in pass protection, and especially when the other team's running some games, whether that's TEs, ETs, uh, did some stuff with their inside backers who were kind of the pit guys or the penetrator with the end looping. He he's He's not punching guys. He's not snapping guys off and like helping Anton Harrison, like putting them across his face. And the thing about that is like when you snap the penetrator off, like it actually puts you, you use the momentum to put you in better position for the looper. And he just, and Chris Murray didn't do that either. They just watched this, these inside backers run and hit their tackles as hard as they could. It's just, it's frustrating for me. And I know that that, that's not the way that Beatonbow coaches it. So I don't know, it's odd, but Matoya was fine, right? I mean, he he wasn't great. He was, I'm not going to say he was bad, but he was, he was fine. For my expectation of what he is as a player, like he, he was fine. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Because, I, I think I understand. I, I hear what you're saying with with Metallier and it's it's kind of a it's almost an across the board thing. But I was just thinking about it whenever you said that you know you you just don't he's he's not going to be the guy that fires off the ball and is pushing guys around. Do you think because I there's the human nature side of it you have to fight. But do you think like the tempo has these guys keeping something in reserve instead of blowing off the ball, breathing fire on run plays? I I understand what you're saying. I think it may be actually more at the end of plays. Cause I remember this, you know, when we were running 
tempo under Kevin Wilson, right? And then under hype, like, especially at the center position, like at the end of the play, you're like, where's the ball? I got to go get on the ball. Let's get on the ball. So you, you may kind of cheat when that not cheat, but you may cut some corners when it comes to finishing blocks. Also, you're tired of shit. Well, that's, that's the same thing that happens on defense that the, the, the voice in your head is telling you to stop and slow down the whole time and rest for their third down or next play, right? What if they get it? You better have something left in the tank. You better slow down. And you have to fight that the entire game. And I don't know. I was just thinking about that is because it, it appears that there's more there. And I know that you have to, you can't just, there's technique involved in how you come off the football. So you can't just, you're not like just diving into guys. I mean, I, I understand that, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we're at three quarter throttle. I, I kind of agree. I, and I've said this kind of for a couple of years now for me, right? And remember I am a true outside zone, you know, cut it loose guy. It's, it's too measured for me. Mm-hmm. There's too much short footwork for me, but they don't run a lot of outside zone right now. They ran some, but it was all designed to cut back, which I completely disagree with. And you even asked me about it during one of the breaks. Like, Hey, is this all designed to go all the way back there? I was like, I guess. And I watched it and it sure looks like it. It sure looks like that backside guard trying to invite that guy to cross his face, which I am, I'm a believer in you stretch the front side, you cut off the backside, you run in between that, mm-hmm. but they ran it pretty well. Uh, yeah. So it yeah. is, I mean, it is what it is, but you know, they, there, there's no doubt that there could be more velocity. That's the word I always use velocity yeah. coming off the football. Yeah. I don't know. I was just wondering, like, I don't know. Just, just a question I had. I think, I think there's a good answer though. All right. Andrew Rame. I'll say this. Ne- I, I never question his effort. Guy plays hard. He does. Plays hard. He tries to play physical. He did not build on the Nebraska performance the way I was hoping he would. He regressed back to what we've seen from him in the past. Out of control, not finishing blocks, getting pulled, uh, defensive linemen getting on his edges, uh, ending up on the ground, uh, looked unsure at times of where he was working and some of the run schemes. I got push-pulled and pass pro. I mean, there's a – I mean, Dylan Gabriel has taken three, a three-step and throw. And Huggins clubs rammed to the side and hits Dylan Gabriel on a three-step. Hmm. It just can't happen, man. Yeah. And a couple – the, the thing that's got to go, the bad snaps have to go. Got to go. You, you cannot have three or four a game 
where the quarterback is having to make some acrobatic athletic feat to catch the snap. You can't have it. Uh, it was the worst game of the season for him. And it was the best. I mean, it's a Huggins is by far the best guy he's played. And he got worked. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. And yeah. it wasn't due to lack of effort. It was like, he's got to play with better technique, man. He's got to bend. He's got to strain. He can't just go try to knock the shit out of guys without technique. Like there's aggression and that's what you want. You never want to take that from him, but man, you, you got to understand leverage. You got to understand hand placement. You got to understand how to invite guys certain ways to help yourself out. And he does none of that. He makes playing center as hard as it can possibly be. And I mean, just getting split in the run game, him and Chris Murray over and over again, both guys looking at different backs. I'm like, how, how does it happen? Bad technique, bad eyes, bad communication. Didn't snap the football, which caused a false start. Like, and I'll, I'll give him that one. I've been there. Like sometimes you don't hear it. Sometimes the PA guy's saying first down and you can't hear. Yeah. And you're like, please shut up. <laughs> but I, it all starts with him. It all starts. He's got to know exactly where he's going. And then he's, he, he's got to play with better technique or else this is going to keep happening to him. The way he's playing, like if he doesn't, make the adjustments it's just going to keep happening to him right and that's i mean that's where i'm at with it and i know i'm th this is center is it's where my focus is i know what it looks like when it's good i know what it looks like when it's bad and he has the ability to be good he's got the athleticism he's got the mean streak like he's got he's like he just has to slow down and help himself out play with some technique football offensive line. Isn't just about going and smashing into other dudes. It's hitting and rolling your hips and using your hands and lifting its angles, its physics. It's not just running blindly and trying to knock the shit out of guys. That ain't it. Let me, I got another question. So, and I feel like the answer is right there, but so you, you get, you get coaching on technique and on hand placement and you drill those things. And obviously on scheme and who you're supposed to be blocking, who you're working up to, like you get coached on all that stuff, but who is there is the lack of experience maybe there to where no one like someone's got to take charge that's well, the just, thing so when i watch them on tape right if you go watch me and listen i wasn't i was a good college player i wasn't great right i was i was good though if you go and watch our offensive lines 
My head is turning constantly. I am saying things constantly. You look at them. There's no one saying shit. Yeah. You. I mean, I'm not seeing any heads turning. I'm not seeing any communication. Pointing and, there's yeah. no put like. There's none of it. And maybe that's like, hey, let's get up there. We know exactly what we're doing. We don't have to talk about it. Like, that's what NFL offensive lines that have played together for six years do. Well, that's what I was going to. That's my question was. Like, is there and, you know, they've got John Cooper there, who was a, a, an unbelievable player, has coached it a long time, been around it. Like, who is there? Because usually you learn like some of the nuance, like you were talking about some of the pressures to invite guys and just like some of the things that you pick up that a coach can't necessarily tell you that you get from other players. Like I learned everything from watching Rocky Camus and listening to him and asking him about it. And like, how do you do that, dude? And it's like, there's, it's all tricks, right? There's these little tricks that, Sometimes you can't even see, but is there no one there that's like passing that down? Like, I, I don't know. Coop was a GA when I was there. That guy's an awesome O-line coach. Right. Bill Beanbow. I mean, no one is more detailed than Bill. Phil Lodeholt knows what he's talking about. I, I don't know if these guys just aren't listening to these guys or what, or if they just get out there and they just, like, forget everything. I don't know if they're fatigued from the tempo. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it was like, and maybe I'm making it sound like it was just horrible. It wasn't, but I, I just really was hoping they would build off the Nebraska performance where I thought they played really well as a unit. And they regress back to, oh, a couple guys with winning grades and a couple guys that really hurt their team. Yeah. And, and Chris Murray was, I mean, that's about as bad as I can remember Chris playing. And he's been very consistent. Uh, I, he did not play, with, play well with what I expect from him. Struggled in pass pro at times. Um, the hold was a huge call and it was unnecessary. Didn't need to do it. He had 91. It's back to him. All you got to do is grab him. You can grab and hold him. You don't have to let him go. That becomes like, that's just like he's facing you. You don't have to let him turn around, but you don't hog tie him by the neck and dump him right in front of the official. Right. Like, that's just, that's bad ball. And it was a huge penalty, but he he this is the worst he's you like his hand usage was not good in this game and normally it's very good uh in the run game i mentioned it raymond him got split those guys got to get on the same page man i don't i'm tired of seeing it i'm tired of watching them two pushing all the way to some front side backer in his own scheme for whatever reason and letting the defensive tackle go that ain't it. It's not going to get it done. And I know they're not being coached that. Where are you going? Communicate where you're going and block the down guy. He's massive. Block him. If anything, don't ever leave him. 
Yes. <laughs> exactly. Block the down guys. If yeah. you do that, you'll give yourself a chance. So just take care of the defensive lineman, please. And then Wanya Morris, I, he had the best grade for me. Now, I'll say this. It's not going to be the most violent you've ever seen. There's a lot of catching. But thought Wanya played a nice game. Yeah. Um, now, false start. Clearly not great. Not great. But graded out the highest for me. Thought he used his length, his athleticism well um, in the majority of the run game stuff. You know, lost a few battles, but that happens. You're playing against good players. He's giving too much ground in his pass sets. Like when he's waiting for the rusher, he keeps backing up and backing up and backing up. And all of a sudden, he's in Dylan's lap. He doesn't need to do that. Get to your spot and settle. Keep your feet active. Get to your spot and settle. You don't keep, don't keep reversing. Get to your depth and settle. Make him come to you. He's got to come to you if he wants to get to the quarterback. That's how it works. But other than that, if he can engage in some of those pass set situations earlier and, and not retreat or float is probably the best word for it, if he can get it on quicker, that'll solidify some pockets quicker. Dylan will feel a little more comfortable. But all in all, I thought Wanya was pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. I thought – we talked about this before. I thought the offense played good enough to win that football game. Here's the statistic. I don't know if you heard this last night or not, Gabe. Oklahoma is 130 – and two now they were before last night 130 and one when going over 550 yards as an offense and that's how you say that last night was good enough to win yeah 550 yards offense is a lot now some of it you know let's be real came late that's when true. they're kind of in in prevent but the thing about the last thing on this game for me, it felt like, first of all, I thought that kick return was huge for Kansas State. Felt like Oklahoma had all the momentum, and then it went right back to Kansas State. But it felt like when the defense was actually getting some stops, the offense wasn't going and scoring. Yeah. When the offense was going and scoring, like the defense wasn't getting stops. And there were just some missed opportunities offensively. They, I mean, realistically, they should have scored at least another 14, probably. You know, thir yeah. 13, 14. Yeah. But a few missed opportunities and you end up with a home loss. Yeah. Uh, frustrating. Again, that, that game, totally frustrating. Just a handful of things. I mean, it's seriously, if there's a handful of things that happen differently, I think you win that football game probably comfortably. Yeah. That's the sad thing. It's not that you just could have won it. You could have won that game comfortably. Yeah. All right. Let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys your number one takeaway from OU's lost Kansas State. And this first one comes from Danielle Crawl, who says, 
from the beginning, everyone has known this is not the CFB championship team. Being freaked out they lost a game is an overreaction. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we you always your initial um expectations of a team constantly change, right? They change after week 1, they change after week 6, they change after, you know, the regular season's over. You know, we would all say right now just like she said that this is not a a championship team. We knew that going in. But if they make the college football playoff, we're all going to reset our expectations of what they what they are capable of, right? So, um I agree. Like I said, man, I'm still optimistic. I still like this team. I like the leaders on this team. I like the fight. Um, you know, I it wasn't like it wasn't a lazy game. I didn't see that it was a lazy game. Um, we just we just played a bad one, and Kansas State played a great one. And I know they've been good at that against us, and no one really wants to hear that right now. Everyone wants to hear you know, how this is the worst thing to ever happen, but I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I'm sure some people are freaking out. I, I will say watching the defense play that poorly was, I'm not going to say shocking. I'm going to say surprising. Yeah, it was. I know it surprised the head coach because I saw the look on, a, on his face when he said he was at a loss and he was going through everything that went wrong. It Which was, I kept waiting. I, after the first series, I was like, it's okay. We're fine. We've seen this. We're going to regroup. We'll be all right. And then after the second series, I was like, okay, so it's going to take two series this time. And then it just, it never fully clicked ever in that game. They got some stops and they, you know, they some made some plays and some things happened out there, but they never were themselves. Yeah, and this last one comes from Randy Tripp, who says, got to drop the senior thing for culture. Get the best players on the field, 37-12-7. You mentioned possibilities of, you know, Harrington, Canick. You know, we the, Key Lawrence did not play a ton of snaps in that game. Those are the three guys Randy is referencing. I, I will say this. This is a good thing for everyone to remember. Coaches are not in the business of putting players on the field that don't give them the best chance to win. Despite what you think. It's the job. Right. Yes. They, they put the players on the field that think give the team the best chance to win. Just a reminder. Especially yeah. Venables. He doesn't have, like, an allegiance. I mean, he didn't recruit these guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. He, I, I don't know that, like, especially on the defensive side, like, I don't know that the answer to what went on out there is even more inexperience on the field. You know, like, it is, it, it is a mental thing going on out there. Like, it is, it is a not – not being able to understand the defense and and how you're supposed to play all these different things that they're throwing at you within the framework of it. Like, that's what it is. It's not a physical issue. 
it's not a it's not a want to or effort or you know too casual it doesn't have anything to do that it has with you know the knowledge of being able to be in the right place at the right time and like i said i don't know that the answer is throwing more inexperience out there yeah so i mean we'll see right i guarantee you uh, hey, you may see some more though more you may see some some changes though i it was one of those games where there's going to be some guys get hired and there's going to be some guys get fired. Yeah. All right. Let's get to birthday shout outs. Light, light list of birthday shout outs. Happy fourth birthday to Aria Kate Loftus. Happy 36th birthday to Andrew Crew Lawrence. Happy 40th birthday to Zach Barker. Happy 59th birthday to Ken Factor. Happy birthday to Liza Baker and a late addition. Happy eighth birthday to Eli and Hunter Ferguson. Nice. Let's talk about some other games, please. <laughs> but first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, and I needed some on Sunday, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. Week four recaps in college football. Number 20, Florida went to number 11, Tennessee, and gave them a game, man. This one was fun. 38-33 final. The Vols get it done there in Knoxville. And, Ted, if you are a fan of watching big athletic dudes play quarterback, this was the game for you. Oh, my gosh. What a show Anthony Richardson and Hendon Hooker put on. It was awesome. Uh, that was crazy. Um, Tennessee, uh, uh, man, you want to talk about a nervous crowd. They tried everything they could to lose that game. What they were up 38 21, I think, at one point. And 38 21, they scored 38 21 with seven minutes and 55 seconds to go. And I'm feeling really good about my pick for Tennessee to cover the spread. And then 
not so fast, my friend. <laughs> Gators come storming back. Yeah, that was that was wild, and it just Tennessee just barely hanging on until the end, but got a really good offense. Their defense had played better uh, leading up to this game. It played pretty good in this one until late. There's some some wild plays that that took place that they gave up that are uncharacteristic. But um, how about hype? Rocky Top is back, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we watch this all the time every weekend, but you feel like that was maybe something that he shouldn't have said. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But listen, if if you didn't watch that game, you missed out because Anthony Richardson for Florida, he had been really bad the last couple of le- weeks leading into this one. He was he was fun to watch. I mean, was throwing it all over the place. And I know the completion percentage wasn't great, but he threw for like 450 yards, had a couple touchdowns passing, had a couple rushing touchdowns. But hidden hooker, man, he was fantastic. Ooh, I mean, a game right there. 350 and two touchdowns through the air, 112 rushing yards with a touchdown on the ground. Tennessee, like you mentioned, they found some separation in the fourth quarter, but give Florida some credit. Kept battling it may it came down to an onside kick and tennessee or uh and florida recovered it and they need to change that rule if you recover an onside kick you should be able to advance it yeah i want that excitement in college football i know i I don't understand why you can't oh i i don't know but everyone was saying like out of what that place holds a hundred thousand there's maybe 15 people in the stands that know the rule. Everyone else was like, <gasps> oh, it's great. But I, I wish Anthony Richardson, the heave late, right? The Hail Mary would have at least gone into the end zone. He's getting hit and like, you know, getting his legs tugged on, but man, it was a, that was a fun one back and forth football game. And it got, it got close at the end. Baylor, Iowa state. Baylor went on the road, never trailed in this football game. I I thought Blake Shapin was good, man. Yeah. I mean, he he put together a nice game. Baylor ends up winning 31-24. And once again, Baylor's still not running it super well, which is how that offense is designed. But they, I thought they did enough on the ground to set up some of their play action stuff, the boot stuff. Oh, was man, really so effective for them. And, you know, they had struggled producing big plays. We talked about that leading into this game. And they had a couple of big ones down the field to Holmes. Iowa State, I, their offense just didn't produce enough. And you got to give Baylor's defense some credit. Yeah. Yeah. Baylor's defense looked good. They looked physical. That was a tough football game. Um, yeah. Baylor's offense isn't able to hit the home run in the running game, but it's still still really effective. And I'll tell you right now, man, both of those games are going to be incredibly difficult for Oklahoma. Both of them. I'm with you. I thought Baylor's defense, I mean, really, Iowa State's running game was nowhere to be found until that big Jirel Brock run late, which did you see that? He relaxes, ball gets oh, punched yeah, yeah, yeah. out. 
looks like it's going through the end zone. He like recovers it midair and like drags a knee and bounds. I couldn't believe they gave it to him. I know I, because they ruled it as a touchback. Right. And like, I, I was sitting there thinking about it and I was like, my intuition says like, that's a touchdown. Like he got the ball. Like it's a touchdown, but I was like, there's no way they're going to call that a touchdown though. After it being called a touchback on the field, I was shocked that they did. I was happy because I think it was the right call, but I was shocked that they gave it to him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And then kind of the last couple, couple more things on this game. Hunter Deckers, I had some people in that program tell me he was going to be a dude for them. I, I haven't seen it yet. And a couple of picks in this game. One was just kind of bad luck, right? Just a great play, kind of deflection. Baylor ends up getting it. But the second one was just pure awful. I mean, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem like a big difference maker at quarterback right now for them. Um, ultimately, nice road win for Baylor. Baylor was, remember, they were plagued by penalties against BYU. Three penalties in this game and no turnovers mm. for Baylor. That's well, how that's how you go win on the road. Yep. And that's how you bounce back. Um pretty impressive. I it, I just got rem- I was thinking of something on that review. I could not stop laughing at well I was watching it at my house. Whenever they called the review, called it a touchdown and instantly they take the camera directly to Dave Aranda. And he's holding like his his whatever sheet he holds, and he is entirely emotionless. He doesn't even move. It's as if he he's sta- he's standing there like a statue, expressionless. Nothing changes with his his demeanor. He doesn't he doesn't even flinch. <laughs> it's, it was hilarious. Which is why it was crazy. Do you see he he was handing out ass slaps on the sideline <laughs> during that game. And I was like, wait, what is happening? Because the exact same thing you're talking about happened on the last play of that Big 12 championship game. They yeah. stuff who was it? Jackson, I think was the running back for Oklahoma State. Yeah. They stuff him at the, you know, the six-inch line. Dave Miranda, nothing. Just yeah, walks it- onto the field. He walks onto the field, gets Gatorade dumped on him, and never even breaks a stride or notices. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, he's a different cat, man. He is yep. uh, on the other end of that spectrum. Please, did you see the Matt Campbell freak out in this game? Oh my god, I loved it. And it was, I would say, it was justified. The refs they did not do Iowa State any favors in that football game. I hated that targeting call, uh, the block below the waist call on you know the corner comes up makes a nice play tackles the running back they call him for cutting an offensive lineman low when he definitely did it i mean there's just a couple things and my favorite part was matt campbell just called timeout just to lose it on the official (laughs) there was no need for the timeout other than that it was amazing oh it's beautiful it's great all right last game both those teams are going to be tough now that's all i was going to say those are Two tough football teams. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Number 10, Arkansas against Texas A&M. And I I really don't know how A&M won the game. What was the final score? 23-21, I think. Yeah. And 
some football games are confusing. And I think this was the most confusing of the weekend because Arkansas's offense was going through A&M's defense like a hot knife through butter to start that football game. I, I thought they were going to beat them 50 to nothing. <laughs> That's what it looked like. I mean, up 14 to nothing. And even after what bit a chain had that big run, right? A&M goes and scores on that weird pass from, from Max Johnson, but Arkansas takes it right down the field again, about to make it 21 to seven. But then that game changed. I really think it changed on one play. What, what was KJ Jefferson doing? What did he think he was going to do? Like he just runs up to the back of his offensive lineman jumps in the air and like tries to reach the ball. What was he doing? I don't know. He was at like the three yard line. Yep. You've talked about this before. Tell us the coaching point on reaching for the goal line. Do not reach the ball unless it is fourth down. That's the only time. And he, every ball carrier does it no matter what, usually. And he was so far from the end zone. Like, I don't know what he was doing, but if you didn't watch the game, there, that it looked like Arkansas is about to go up 21 to seven. The offense is absolutely rolling. He does that. And chaos ensues after he fumbles it. One guy from AM gets it. He runs down the left sideline. He's getting tackled. He hands it to another guy who then takes it the full 97 yards for a touchdown. And Crazy. it was 14, 14. Actually, he, what? They missed the extra point. It was 14, 13. Yeah. At, Crazy. It was. I mean, that play single-handedly changed the game, and I thought Texas A&M's defense really settled in after that point. But the thing that everyone's talking about is Arkansas's field goal attempt to win the game. Have you ever seen that? You ever seen it hit the top of the goalpost like that and then come back in to the field of play? Never seen that in my life. You just uh, (laughs) – it was one of those games where it's just like – we are destined to lose this day, no matter what happens. That was just, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I still, and I don't know, you know, whatever Texas A&M is going to go flying up the top 25 now, but I don't think they're any good. I still don't think they're any good, but you know, Hey, <laughs> if they win, what could you say? Right. I, I hear you. I, I think the AP the AP top twenty five came out. OU fell all the way to eighteen. By the way, guess who's seventeen? A and M. Texas A and M. Max Johnson was like eleven of twenty one for one hundred and fifty yards. And they won. Yeah. I I will say I hope Anaya Smith's all right. That didn't look good. He's crying like towel over his head with his dad on the sideline. That didn't look good. Yeah. yeah. He's fun to watch. So hopefully hopefully he's okay. But. I mean, what a brutal way to lose a game for Arkansas. I I, know it. I still have no clue how AM won. You all right? I'm hey, I'm okay. I'm I'm happy for Texas AM. I thought that was great. Thought it was great. <laughs> that that didn't seem sincere. <laughs> all right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Football time in Oklahoma, folks, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers, an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. 
tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. And they're not just for tailgating. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. They've got new flavors out. They've got a new can out. Find a place near you that has Clubbies. Visit ClubbySeltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with the Dolphins, baby. I like this football team. Three and oh, absolutely have to love it. Tua had an interesting game for the NFL. You don't typically see that. Was he like? Through only 18 balls, something like that, 13 and, of 18. And also, don't know if he hit his head or his back or he, it seems like it's rare that you clear the protocol and you get to come back. But I, and do you see the NFLPA? Uh, yeah. want, they want a review of the whole situation. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I guess uh, McDaniel said it was his back. He thought he hyperextended his back. And it gave out on him, and that's why he, you know, that's why it appeared the way that it did. But I don't know. I, it's one of those things where, it was, you know, I, I, people always try and get mad at the coaches for putting them back in. The coaches are coaching the game. The trainer's going to come up and tell the coach if, if the guy can come back in the game or not, you know? Yep. I, so I don't know. I would, you would think now, with everyone watching the way they are and everything that's gone down, it would be really difficult for trainers to send a guy back out there, especially after the way that looked. But Hey, I don't know. The just watching that game on red zone. First of all, Josh Allen threw the ball 63 times. I know in that game, Crazy. which is just, which is just incredible. But there were two, two highlights of this game. Number one, the Dolphins punter kicked the ball straight into a guy's ass. <laughs> the butt punt. <laughs> They're called it the butt punt, which usually when you have one of those plays, you don't win the game. I mean, you just, you, you become the laughing stock of the league. You don't win the game, but the Dolphins won. I mean, they won. And the, the fact that they were able to win a game when they rush for 41 yards is Truly incredible. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. But did you see the be the best part of this game? Did you see Ken Dorsey? Oh my god, I did, I did, and I understand. I I'm actually scared to go back and watch our in the booth camera because I felt like that last night in the booth at times uh, when the defense was out there. 
but you have to have a little more aggression initially when you're starting the thing, right? He's like taking papers and like pushing them down and stuff. Like, come on, have a little fight in there. You look like such a quarterback doing that. It was it was a gradual buildup. Like it was a couple <laughs> papers, and then he just started like banging on the table. I, I there was enough time. I don't know how they didn't get that last snap off. Like at that operation, you got to speed it up, guys. Got to yeah. speed it up. Got to got to get the hail mary heave. But yeah, watching the Bills offensive coordinator absolutely lose it up in the booth was undoubtedly the highlight of that football game. That's a big win for Miami and three and zero, baby. They're they're winning the AFC East. That's uh pretty impressive. That would be that would be something. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh just as as uh as fun as it was to see the Dolphins win, it was the equal, it was the opposite rather watching the Lions. I thought they were gonna win this thing. I, I thought they were gonna pull it off. Kirk Cousins comes storming back. The Lions lose to the Vikings. Uh two fourth quarter touchdowns. What that one was with under a minute to go and Detroit just couldn't get anything mounted on the on the way back. Ah, I Goff's numbers aren't great, and he had that interception. But I'd like I like what he's doing for them. I think he's good enough for them to win, and they've they've played really well. I thought they were about to about to roll on the Vikings and make it to two and one, but frustrating loss for uh, Dan Campbell. Yeah, and if you would have told Dan Campbell, hey, you're gonna hold. Justin Jefferson to three catches for 14 yards. You probably think you're winning the game, right? Uh, yeah. you're, you're probably not like, oh no, KJ Osborne's going to be a problem for us. <laughs> like I just right or or like Dalvin Cook, like he he had a nice game, 96 yards, but it's not like he went crazy or anything. Did he get hurt again? I Did feel he go like. Down? Yeah, he went down. It looked like his shoulder. They showed it on red zone, which, I mean, I feel like he always gets banged up. But, yeah, blowing a fourth-quarter lead, Dan Campbell's not going to like that. Nope. Nope, frustrating. Uh, but I still think they got a good squad, and they're still fun to watch. Um, it's shocking, but for me, the Lions is appointment television this year. It's good stuff. We were both Lions, man. Let's go. And I know and we're I, both Dan Campbell guys, and I've never watched them until Dan Campbell took over. Never. That, that's the thing about my Sunday. I got fired so much. I <laughs> played for so many teams. It's like you're always watching someone. I'm basically you? always watching a former employer. I've got <laughs> six of them. So as long as they're not playing each other, it's like, you know, I've got I've got options to cheer. But the best thing about my Sunday, I have no NFL team. So I just get to enjoy, yeah, enjoy NFL football purely for the fact that it's the best guys in the world at what they do. And I just, I've got no rooting interest except for cheering for the OU guys, obviously, but it's nice. Agreed. It's relaxing. I had a much better Sunday than Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> yes. Oh. yes, I did too. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first... First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. 
Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. I feel like OU losing really took away from the fancy corn line there. Gosh, (laughs) we need them winning, man. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Kansas Jayhawks. The Woo. 4-0. Kansas Jayhawks got it done against Duke. I'll say, game got a little interesting there late. Duke had a chance, you know, drive, uh, had a chance to go drive and uh, tie the game, maybe go for two and win it. But Kansas gets the stop. And what a start to the season for Lance Leipold and and the Jayhawks. And and the reward for their fans is now everyone thinks that their coach is going to leave for someone else. But hey, it is what it is. And Jalen Daniels was spectacular again. I mean, 19 and 23, four touchdowns, passing 83 rushing yards and a touchdown. I mean, he, no one, and I mean this, from what I've seen, no one in college football means more to his team than Jalen Daniels means to Kansas. He has been phenomenal for them. And I I think there's a good chance the train keeps rolling. Right. That offense is legit. There's a like, chance. It's not a fluke. Yeah, there's a there's a, a chance, a good chance, they're undefeated whenever we play them. I think they've got Iowa State and then TCU next. Is that right? I think so. Be hard to pick them against Iowa State, but still, I mean, it would not shock me with as good as he's playing. Yeah, he has been. he's been really good, man been fun to watch but my winner of the weekend the texas tech red raiders Woo. get it done in overtime against the longhorns and you know going into the game donovan smith had not played well the last couple he had not he'd been bad honestly and for him to come out and to play the way he did play the way he did it was it was impressive he took care of the football did damage with his arm, uh, didn't put the ball in harm's way because this is a guy that had been throwing it to the other team quite a bit, did damage with his legs, thought Miles Price was huge for Tech, 
in this game, but really this, and this is Ted, this is something we saw several times last year. Texas blowing two score leads. I mean, they had a two touchdown lead in the second half and I'm not trying to take away from tech at all, right? Those guys played hard. They, they deserve that win, but man, this, this is starting to feel like a trend under Steve Sarkeesian. I, I think I saw in, you know, in five of their nine losses now that Sark has been leading the program. Here it is five. So Sarkeesian is seven and nine as Texas head coach so far. They held a halftime lead in five of those nine losses. They held a fourth quarter lead in five of those nine losses. They had double digit leads in four of the nine losses. Yikes. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. Which, you know, they did a good job of even getting it to overtime. Did you see the end of the end of regulation? Tech. Pre-bit defense, baby. My goodness, that was that was horrible, horrible. But hey, you know they end up getting it done. And yeah, Bijan, man, that was that was crazy seeing him fumble that ball. That would be the last guy on that team you would expect. Yeah, I I felt for Bijan Robinson. You know, I've had the pleasure of you know interviewing him in person, interviewing him on a radio show over on Big Twelve Radio a couple times, and talked to a lot of people about him. People inside that program people that have covered them. The kid is, uh, I mean, he's everything you want in a football player. He's nice. He's humble. Like he, now he's got the NIL stuff and that's great, but like, he's also an awesome player. Haven't heard one bad thing about him. So like when I saw him fumble, pardon me, I was like, ah, anyone but him, you know, but the fumble in that situation and kind of set tech up, kind of gift wrap that win. For him there in overtime, look that was that had to be brutal for Bijan, but he is the best player on the team. So I, I guess if you know if anyone's going to fumble, I guess you want it to be him. Is that how that works? Now you want it to be someone everyone can point at and say, "Yeah, it's, that's true." Yeah, <laughs> Hudson cards like oh, Euters is coming back soon, anyways. Hudson Card looked pretty good at times, man. He he did some some really nice things. Moved around with his legs some, made some plays. Yeah. Did you – last thing on this game. Did you see Joey McGuire in the locker room? I did not. He – and listen, and I call him Joey Juice. That's the nickname I've given him. He He knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew exactly where that camera was, and he said – I told you they were going to break. He said it twice. And I was just like, damn. I mean, (laughs) it was, I mean, it was cold blooded. And then he added, and he started yelling and like, he's getting all fired. He was like, the country's going to find out everything runs through Lubbock. I was like, I mean, he is, he's got that program excited. He's got that fan base excited. Now they're going to lose some more games this season, but. As a he's, I mean, because he's a he was a high school, you know, Texas high school football coach lifer before he made the Baylor move. Yeah, that had to feel very good, oh, knocking yeah. off the flagship in year one. Year one, knocking him off. Now he's already said what what, what was his quote uh, in the off season? They're gonna 
beat Oklahoma the last game of the year, stormed the field, knocked down the south end zone or whatever. Is that what he, what it was? Because they're building that new Yeah, because facility. they're they're doing the renovation. Renovate, yeah. <laughs> I like hey, I like the confidence, man. It is hey, that that's a that's a big win for that program. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. All right, for my loser of the weekend. Ted, I'm worried about your Patriots, man. Yeah. You all right? I'm okay. Hey, you know what? Rebuilding year? Rebuilding year. Yeah. Did you see That's what happened to Mac Jones? Last play, last offensive play they were out there? Yeah. Glaze yeah. Campbell's a big human being. You don't want that big human being falling no. on your ankle. Does he go about 6'9"? About 6'7", 310. <laughs> Longest arms ever. Just a massive human, but lose to the Ravens. And and the worst part, <laughs> he hurts his ankle. Ball gets intercepted. Terrible. Yeah, so I'm worried about you, man. You I haven't know. mentioned your Patriots once yet. Uh, hey, uh, we'll be okay. Trust the process. Trust the process. We're, we're, we'll find another Tom Brady somewhere. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, the, those grow on trees. Good luck with that. <laughs> Uh, I also thought about going with the Miami Hurricanes as my loser of the weekend. Wow. Whoa. They got blasted. That score is not indicative of how bad that game was. They lost at home to Middle Tennessee State 45-31. to 31. Yes, Middle Tennessee State and the Miami defense got torched. And if you're thinking, oh, how bad could it be? This is how bad. They gave up touchdown plays of 69, nice, 71, and 98. Oh, They also gave up one, and it wasn't a touchdown, but they gave up an 89-yard pass also. Woo. That you talk about giving up some explosives. Holy hell, man. What was that? That's and 330 they, yards on four plays. <laughs> it was nuts. And Tyler Van Dyke got bitched. Like, they yanked him. Ooh. It was – I mean, there's some there's some drama going on. It was – I mean, that was bad, bad. You thought OU's performance was bad. You thought <laughs> OU's defense was bad. At least it wasn't Miami's. Ooh. Man, that's crazy. It is, but my loser of the weekend, Kansas City Chiefs, man. Mm. I just and, and and I know you know Travis Kelch is he, he's got to catch that ball, right? You probably put the game away if he catches it. I get it, but they didn't. They just didn't seem like they had much juice. Yeah, in this game. And listen, I don't think the Colts are a very good team, but and the Chiefs started slow. It was sloppy. The execution wasn't great, but. That drive that Indy went on was insane. I mean, you just don't see forever. Yeah, that was like it was like an academy. Like you don't see you don't see drives like that in the National Football League. The Colts got the ball with eight thirty eight in the fourth quarter, and they're down seventeen to thirteen. They went on a sixteen play. Eight minute and 14 second drive, and they punch it in with 24 seconds left to go up 20 to 17. Now they end up picking off Mahomes and kind of their last ditch effort, and that seals the deal for the Colts. But that drive, I was sitting there watching it. I was like, 
oh my like couldn't get him off the field like it was i don't i'm sure there's been other drives like that in the nfl but against the chiefs and with how bad the Colts have looked up to this point, I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there. My mouth was wide open. I was like, what is happening? That's crazy. That is that is every offense's, like, just dream scenario to close a football game out that way. And I'll tell you, as a defensive player, like, chilling on the sideline, watching that, that's like, because you know, like you, it's almost as if you went home, took a nap, fueled up, got something to eat, re, like you're ready to go the next time you take the field. That's so awesome. And seeing the Chiefs only score 17 points was, I mean, we touched on the lack of execution, but man, that's just. How, how long do you think that was in real time? There was a two minute warning involved as well. So it was a long time. It had to. It had to be probably thirty minutes, right? It was. It like it seemed like forever, man. Because I was think, watching Red Zone and I flipped over to that game, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like it just never ended. Just think about how that's like. That's like, I, it's almost like the time you got off the bus until opening kick. It feels like like to lose all rhythm as an offense to try and go back out there with the entire game on the line, have you been sitting there for 30 minutes twiddling your thumbs? That's tough. Yeah, and, I mean, it all started, they they converted a fourth down, then third down, third down. Like, it just it just kept going. It was, <laughs> it was nuts. But I, the Chiefs, the Chiefs got to get the running game figured out. Yep. I mean, it was nowhere to be found. And, and this is a great reminder. Right. The the Colts come in, what they they had the tie, right? So they were oh one and one coming into this game. And you're like, there's no way the Chiefs don't beat them. I think the spread was like four and a half or something. You know, Chiefs favored on the road. I can't imagine how much money was lost on that game. Did you see I, I can't remember if we talked about this in our last podcast or not? Did you did you see the uh like the meme going around? The Colts were oh one and one, and it's the best start to the season in like X. It's in quite a while to be oh one and one. <laughs> <laughs> the ties are so stupid. We almost uh, had a couple so of them that first week. Uh, but nice win for the Colts and a great reminder any given Sunday, man. This is games like that. That's what makes the NFL so good. I mean, so, yep. so good. Yep. Well, that episode wasn't as fun as normal. I feel like it's not over, too. I feel like we're going to be talking about this game on Wednesday again, right? We'll try to look forward to TCU. <laughs> episode 252 in the, bu- in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. It'll all be okay, people. It'll be okay. Sun's going to keep coming up. We're going to keep chugging. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
that I love you for just one more time.